0: How's everybody doing tonight? I got busy talking in the lobby, and Howard said, "Hey, it's class time." OK, let's start our review. What did we talk about last Wednesday night when we discussed our parables? Does anybody remember the parable we studied? We'll get our minds going. Anybody recall? yeah 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 that was that was part of the conversation. The main parable though anybody remember the what It was basically the uh, the un- unmerciful servant or uh, the guy that was forgiven a great debt, remember and a, a huge amount of money and uh, and then and then he in turn had somebody owe him less than a year's wages. That's our newest member, y'all. I'm glad he's here tonight. Uh, he, he was not willing to extend mercy. He, he was going to throw the guy in, in prison. And and the the basic parable here is that if a person receives a tremendous amount of grace and mercy, but yet they're not willing to extend that to someone else, The king, in this case, the Lord, will not apply mercy to that person. In other words, forgiveness or mercy is conditional depending on how we show grace or mercy or forgiveness here on this earth. So, uh, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And so uh, we talked about that last week. Okay, in the parables... And a parable means what, if you define it? Okay, running alongside, and Jim was doing his hands. Parallel, to compare. Basically, it means to compare or lay alongside. In this case, Jesus took spiritual concepts about the kingdom, told stories that everybody understood, and then said, okay, you understand this story, now we're going to make an application to the kingdom All right. So he bridged spiritual ideas about the kingdom, and then uh, he also talked about why it was important to please the Father. And in often the the parables that we learn, the Father represents a king, a landowner, a master, uh, someone who is in charge and has the ability to execute punishment upon those who are wicked, slothful, disobedient. So many of his parables will turn us back to the father uh, who's presented in these parables and one who will meter out punishment to those who are disobedient. So our parable tonight is going to take place uh, toward the end of Jesus's ministry. Who can tell me what happened in the last week of Jesus's active ministry? What happened, we call it a particular event. Okay, prior to that, what did he do? He rode a donkey, triumphal the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and so the countdown begins, culminating toward the trial, I use that word loosely, and subsequent crucifixion, and then later resurrection, and then after he ascended, we see Pentecost. So he told quite a few parables in that final week, and our parable tonight is going to be from um, Mark 13. We're actually going to do two short parables that have the same theme, but y'all turn with me to Mark 13, and we're going to begin in verse 32. All right. Now, if you would, before I start reading, go up to the um, beginning of the chapter In verse 1, and in my Bible at least, it says Jesus foretells destruction of the temple. All right, so they're walking around. His uh, disciples say, teacher, look, look at this. What wonderful stones. What wonderful buildings. Isn't that a sight to behold? Wow. And then Jesus says what? Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. You know, you probably could have pushed them over with a a feather. They were just stunned that he actually said some of these boulders, these hewn stones, cut stone probably weighed over eight tons in the temple. Jesus said, see all these stones, these elaborate, beautiful buildings? the temple it's going to be a day where it's it's gone it's nothing it's raised to the ground so obviously when he said this it shocked them they began to pump him with questions what in the what are you talking about what, what when is this going to happen tell us when will these things be what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? So then Jesus basically goes into a discussion of two events, right? Two events. He uses this as a launch board for discussion, discussing, uh, one, the destruction of Jerusalem that happened in AD 70, right? In, the, in which the temple at that time was destroyed just as he foretold. I'm told the Romans literally when they took all the stones and toppled everything over to ground level, then they plowed the ground up where the temple mound was, completely destroying everything. The other thing he talks about, the second event, is the, the return, the advent of Christ on Judgment Day. This will be the, the end of time as we know it, when the trumpet sounds, and, and it will be a surprise. No one knows, he says. So he talks about two events in Mark 13. And um, he says, you don't know. Uh, look at verse 33. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. So let's start reading in verse thirty. Thirty-two. But concerning that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Now he's talking not about the destruction of Jerusalem, he's discussing the return, the advent of Christ, the end of time, the trumpet sounding, and judgment day. Then he goes into a parable in verse 34, and I'll get somebody, if they would, read that uh, for me, from 34 down to the end of the chapter. If somebody wants to read, it feels like reading tonight. Okay, Ryan? Yes, sir. Okay, so I like the way verse 34 begins, and this is parable language. Uh, He said, it is like a man. So a parable is not a real story. A parable is a, a story that the master has made up. I'm going to tell you a story. It's like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands a doorkeeper to stay awake. I guess the doorkeeper would basically be like a, a sentry or a guard or somebody who's on watch. Does that make sense? Anybody served in the military? And Roy, you've been in the military. Anybody else? Okay, Jim. So when you're posted, I don't know, when you're posted on watch, tell me a little about the duties. Did you ever do watch duty? Yeah. You smiled? <laughs> okay. How about you, Jim? Okay. Y'all tell me about watch duty. What's involved? Well they got a set of 10 general orders that you must follow. Those know similar they go they're pretty lengthy as you go through them. So a bunch of rules. You got very much diligent diligent. Diligent. Diligent, Okay. Uh hey down here, Roy Royce got the floor right now. Thank you. We forgot Mr. Microphone.
1: Well, thank you, sir.
0: Uh, So there's a bunch of rules you have to follow. First
1: off, the officer day comes in and calls you in the office, and he he tells you what your responsibilities are and what you are, what items that you have. You have to be observant of everything within sight and sound. You'll obey the the orders of the officer in charge and everybody on up to the President of the United States. Uh, And then when you go start walking your post, you'll walk it in a military manner, being always on alert. I... uh, Once you find out what's going on and you, you run into an encounter, you will challenge anybody that comes on the post, regardless of who So is.
0: anybody that's un- unauthorized is challenged? Yes, sir. Okay.
1: I wasn't prepared for this.
0: So it's is, been 45 years. is it fair to say that if you're the watchman, it might be at all different hours of the day or night? Okay. And your job is to continually stay um, alert. alert. So let's say it's four in the morning and it's very quiet. Were you ever tempted to maybe just kind of lean up against something and. Too much what? You get thrown in the pokey? No, not necessarily. It depends on the status of where you're at. So they would bust rank?
1: Yes, I was walking around one night about 3 o'clock in the morning. I fell asleep while I was walking and I walked into a telephone pole.
0: You fell asleep while you were walking and hit a telephone pole? Okay. Is the mic on?
1: Yes, it's on. I think.
0: Oh yeah, it's on. It's on now. Thanks. The green light has to be on. Okay. So you were you were you understood you couldn't sleep while you're on watch.
1: No, you don't sleep on watch. But you, get you said you literally
0: time. fell asleep while you were walking and hit you hit a telephone I pole. I went
1: dead center of telephone poses. Wham.
0: But nobody saw you.
1: Yes, I was lucky.
0: Okay, <laughs> that's a funny story, Jim. Anything you wanted to add about being a sentry or watch? <laughs> okay, Jim's going to add to this. Thank you, Roy. I,
2: I heard, I heard Roy paraphrasing it, but um, sixty-seven years ago, the first, the first uh, uh, rule is I walk my post in a military manner, keeping always on the alert and observing everything with insider hearing. You know that is. He memorized that, didn't a he? word. Yeah, I haven't forgot a word of that. Okay. I don't remember the last nine of them, but I remember that one. And there was always somebody out there testing you. You know, they had asked you to, do you remember that? And you have to actually... Uh, oh,
0: so they want to know if you were aware and alert in something. They, they were like quizzing to see if you were watching all night. Absolutely. Ah, okay. Very interesting. Very interesting. Well, I want to share with you a a story. I appreciate, this is just a little excerpt that I found. Let me go to the back of the book. This is talking about a sentry who uh, was supposed to be prepared. The word watchman evokes an image of the lonely sentinel who must keep guard during the dark hours when most others are asleep. Kind of what you were saying. And the classical punishment for a sentinel who sleeps at his post is death. Fortunately, that's not true for armed forces, but yeah. But if you follow, remember um, the Philippian jailer, the guard, um, were told when they escaped, he was ready to fall on his sword. Yeah,
1: the reason why is because he had to pay for the individual that he had to take
0: his place. Right. So very severe punishment for the guard. Wow. Okay. All right. Several centuries ago, a young soldier was doing sentry duty at the Royal Castle of Windsor in England. At some point between midnight and dawn... In making his rounds, his commanding officer failed to see the young soldier in the deep shadows of the castle wall and laid a charge against him for sleeping. All right? So his commanding officer is like, I think you were asleep. I didn't see you. The panel of officers were unimpressed with his claim to innocence and demanded proof that he had been awake. To their amazement, the sentry said, he had heard the clock strike midnight, but instead of the usual 12 strokes, it had struck 13 times. Ooh, that's an unusual claim. 13 strikes of the bell. They didn't believe him, but further investigation found a number of other people who had also heard the clock strike 13 times. It was a phenomenon that had never occurred before and has never happened Again. The military court was forced to dismiss the charge. The young soldier's alertness in not only watching with his eyes, but with his ears too, had saved his life. The importance of being watchful in a recurrent theme is is both the Old and New Testaments. It is maintaining a state of readiness for any eventuality, expected or unexpected. Christians have a responsibility for maintaining a state of spiritual alertness on behalf not only of their own souls, but also for the souls of others. I thought that was a good story, though. He heard the clock strike 13 times, and it was corroborated by other witnesses, so he was telling the truth. He was not asleep. All right, so uh, in this story, the doorkeeper is told to stay awake, And then he says, verse 35, Therefore stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come. Now we know the parallel in this story is the return of of Jesus. You don't know when the master will come back. By the way, uh, this is kind of an interesting question. Have there ever been religious groups who have predicted the return of Christ and have waited for him on a particular day? Glenn's nodding his head. Tell me about that, Glenn. Wait a minute. Let's get the mic.
3: Well, there's been numerous groups, religious people, uh, the Mormons, uh, among others, uh, uh, Seventh-day Adventists, whatever, uh, have predicted, you know, end of the earth, uh, and it's come and it's gone. And uh, I'm, I'm even that much more assured of what Jesus is saying here. I thought it was interesting in verse thirty-three. Yes, uh, there's it said be on guard and alert, mm-hmm. and another translation said, uh, "Some manuscripts say alert and pray." Yeah, and I thought that was very appropriate. If I if I was on guard duty, tasked with a sacred task, um, I'd be praying, Lord, help me to do discharge my duties as duly appointed and duly assigned. And uh, it's interesting, if you ever want to go on YouTube and see how the guards, like the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier and and military guards respond to people who are idiots and will uh, sometimes uh, disrespect, like, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier and stuff, and they have a code that they enforce. And just the sound of their voices that cracks the (laughs) The atmosphere, would they tell people to stand up and stand off or stand back? Boy, I, I would be running, and most of them do. The, you watch people, and they'll stumble along, you know, uh, wonder what happened, make things happen. And, and, and Anyway, they are forceful and powerful and, and honor their duty and honor their post yes. as our brethren here who served in the military had.
0: Right. Jesus says in verse 35, stay awake. Um, You do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, midnight, or when the rooster crows in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. So we can see the application here. We don't know when the Lord is coming. We need to be prepared. We need to be mindful. I don't know about you, but for most of us, we get busy in our daily routine. We get tied up in events and work and family, and all of a sudden, there seems to be little thought given to the end of this world and the Lord returning, and I think it behooves us to be wise and remind ourselves continually, this could be the day. This could be the day. Uh, I was told New Testament Christians had a saying, Maranatha. Maranatha, Lord, come. In other words, together as a group, they said, we want to be in readiness, Lord, and we're asking, we're invoking you to come today. Come, we're ready. So something to think about in this world of of so much stuff, we seem to get so busy in the mundane, in the things that don't matter, that we forget to be ready. It's almost like being asleep while we're awake. Does that make sense? not being focused, not being prepared for the Lord to come. All right. Now, what I want to do is I want to focus on um, the idea of, of another par- parable. And what I'd like to do is um, somebody read 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 3, and then we're going to transition to our second parable. We've got just a few minutes. But first, 1 Thessalonians 5, one through three. Who has that? Okay, Glenn. Now, Mr. brothers, Clint, Go ahead.
3: Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write for you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape but you brothers and sisters are not in darkness so this day should surprise you this day should surprise you like a thief you are all children of the light and children of the day we do not belong to the night or the darkness
0: Okay. So be, be prepared, be ready. Think about the coming of the Lord. Just a quick question. How can we be more Lord ready, be prepared for the end of time and, and that trumpet? What do, what do you think? What can we do to maybe be, be on guard?
3: I think we need to be spiritually focused on the Lord. If we, if we're focused on the Lord, whether he comes or he doesn't, we're ready and I think that it, the focus is more on the pr- preparation and readiness to meet the Lord than it is in the in the uh, somatics of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy to say, "Well, I'll be ready." We probably won't. We'll all be amazed. But the difference is, it's a very quick, almost the blinking of an eye. We say, "Oh, Maranatha, that's yeah. good. He's Lord's come."
0: It it will be a welcome for some, a small percentage. But it will be a terror to most of the world when they see the world starting to fall apart. You know, the celestial, the moon and the stars and everything coming unhinged. It'll be... Some, some bit like the, when the door of the ark slams shut. Yeah, yeah. All right. So what I want to do now is with, with, with this setting made, readiness, preparation, the return of the Lord, being ready being in a readiness mode. We've talked about the sentry. Uh, the sentry can't be asleep. He has to be awake. Uh, the seriousness of not being ready. I want us now to read Mark 12. And this, in my Bible, it's called the parable of the tenants. What is a tenant? A what? A, a, ren- a rentor, a person that doesn't own the property, but but stays in, in property that is owned by someone else. That makes sense. So in other words, these guys don't have a deed to the house. They they rent it. They live in it. It's been built by and it's owned by someone else, and and they live there. He began to speak to them in parables, Mark 12. And again, this is the week of, of the uh, triumphal entry, um, shortly before his trial and, and crucifixion a man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a pit for the wine press and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country so this guy's done a lot of preparation work getting everything ready for a, for planting sowing and a harvest that makes sense it was his intent to see a crop this wasn't like hey go go plant a crop no he did all those things before he left When the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. Is that reasonable to y'all? Is that a reasonable expectation? I own the property. I've told you this is what I want done. I've got everything ready for the crop. Now the crop is coming in. I'm going to come collect some of the crop. Seems very reasonable to me. They took this man, uh, the servant, and beat him and send him away empty-handed. As soon as I read that, I'm like, uh-oh, we have a problem. All right, what's the problem? What do you think? Is it... Yeah, okay, you guys are renting from me. You're, you're staying on this property that I own. I've done all these things, and I want to harvest. I'm sending a delegate, a delegate to get some... But they they beat him up and throw him outside. How's the the master going to feel about that? Mad. Angry. Right? All right. So verse 4. Again, he sent to them another servant. They struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. Boy, at that time, I think I would have said, okay, I'm headed back to the house. They're out of here, right? But what did he do? Another delegate. And again, he sent to them another servant. They struck him. Uh, Verse 5, he sent another, and they killed him. And so with many others, some they beat, some they killed, Did he give them ample opportunity? Did the owner give them several chances to do the right thing? More than fair, I think. You know, I don't know about you, but if I had been one of the servants that he's sending, I'm like, no, 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 I I think I'll pass on that assignment. You know what they've done to the other ten guys, right? It hadn't turned out well, so I'd really rather not go. But then at the end of the parable, look what happens. Who's he sent? Finally, he sent to him to them saying, They, I'm sorry, let's go back to verse six. He had still one other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them, saying, They will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and the inheritance will be ours. You see the greed and just the depravity, like ah, we've, we've beaten up the other ones but this is, the, this is the heir, the son, the one that's most precious to the landowner and, and if we kill him we'll get it all, right? We'll get it all. Absurd. They took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. And then Jesus asks the rhetorical question, what will the owner of the vineyard do? He's going to come back and he's going to be mad, like really mad, because you've killed his only son. It says here, he will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read the scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and this was the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. Who is Jesus talking about? Oh, Roy, okay. Roy Kent. Hang on a second. Let me get you a microphone. Here comes Clint.
1: Are we there? All right. uh, What he's talking about is Jesus Christ and the prophets that were sent down to guide and give the law to the, uh, the children of Israel. And they rejected him on, on each part. that 'd get him and kill him and beat him and and try to scare them off to go away well the the final person that died was Jesus Christ or the Messiah who's going to be coming forth and I believe that Jesus Christ once he was crucified, even though it was part of prophecy and everything, once he was crucified, God took what was Alone to be given to the Jewish people and allowed it to spread into the Gentiles so that we could all become, uh, saved and be with them in paradise.
0: Yes, ab- absolutely. Those to whom had, they, they had the privilege of being in that house initially and, and the master had done all these things to prepare for a harvest. They ignored, uh, they spurned his trust, uh, They abused his messengers and, in the long run, killed the son, thus making the the owner of the the vineyard extremely angry. And we can see here, Roy, how that plays right into the pattern of what the Jews have done when the son came, the Messiah himself came. Uh,
3: Glenn? Well, I was going to say, Tom, that this telescopes into back then Back then, when Jesus was still here and now, it all telescopes together in this beautiful line of God's truth that is eternal. And what happened from Adam and Eve right on through to the time of Jesus and right on through now, mm-hmm. man continues to say, no, I want to do it my way Whether it's departing from the word of God, or whether it's uh, blaspheming the Holy Spirit or anything that separates us from God and God's grace and mercy, it's alive and well today, as Satan is. And so we need to realize this is not just talking about a event. It's talking about the event. Mm-hmm. And the, the the event is Jesus came to earth, this son that God... And I think back all the... Jesus said that. He said, man, you have stoned the prophets. He said, you know, God wants to... Cover you up like a mother chicken. With I, I watched, uh, Jess or Jessica. Uh, Je, what's your name? Mary. No, not Mary Grace. Kristen. Kristen, the surrogate mother, and you watch women with babies and that mothering instinct, um, and it's. I love to see it because that is God's feeling for us. That taught me as much tonight watching her with this baby as all the talking we did.
0: I I dare say that if you approached either one of those women and they had an infant in their arms and you wanted to harm that infant, you better watch out because that maternal instinct is going to kick in and and you, you're dealing with a a tiger. Mm -hmm. Be careful. They're very protective, aren't they? Right. And, and would defend their very lives to protect that child. And here Jesus, the perfect son of God who volunteered for this assignment, he volunteered to go to earth. And what did they do? They hated him. Yeah. They hated him. They betrayed him. They spit on him. They mocked him and crucified him. That's one mad father. I'm telling you. Jim's got his hand up. We better, Jim's going to get out of socket if we don't answer it pretty quick. So, All right, Jim.
2: Yeah, I guess I thought about it a little bit, but I guess the fruit of the Spirit uh, would be parallel. When he sent the prophets, what God was wanting out of them was, was obedience. Uh, I'm kind of guessing there, but as I was reading this, I could almost hear Peter's first speech about, you know, we sent the prophets and you killed them. Yes. That, that's a parallelism that I, I heard. Yes,
0: absolutely. A um, couple of quick observations. We're almost out of time, but I just jotted these down and wanted to share them with you, if I may. Number one... Uh, The word tenant reminds us that we don't really own the things God has entrusted to us. He simply allows them to use those things, and it is on loan. He has an expectation of everything he's blessed us with to give him a return for the kingdom. Listen to me. This is important. This is your job, your clothing, your house, your vehicles. Everything you own has been entrusted to you to glorify God Not to entertain self. Now, you can have fun. It's okay. Use these things. But if we just live a life of leisure and forget who blessed us with all these things, we've already messed up. Number two, there's an expectation that we as his children produce a harvest and labor toward the things that we're expected to produce for God. Now, we know we don't produce a crop literally. What is our harvest? What is our crop in the church? Souls, yeah, that's a no-brainer. We produce souls. John 4, I believe it's John 4, where Jesus visited with the Samaritan woman at the well. They came back amazed that he was talking to her, that she had gone to tell other people in Samaria about um, what Jesus had said. And he said, look out into the fields. They are white unto harvest. Pray that the Lord of harvest send forth. Reapers. He's not talking about a harvest of food. He's talking about a harvest of souls. I'm sure, a lesson they never forgot. Obviously, the time away, this is when, in the parable, when the Master leaves, this is the time between Jesus' ascension into heaven and his return when the trumpet sounds. He's gone on an extended trip. Does it mean he's never coming back? The scoffers laugh and say, Where is where is your God, right? They laugh, they ridicule us, but we know that there's a timeline in the existence of mankind, and at some point, when that trumpet does sound, there'll be an instantaneous end to this world, and the master will come back wanting to know, where's my crop? Where's my harvest? And what have you done with the son that I sent? The servants sent to collect That harvest were most likely prophets, servants of the Lord, and the reporting messages. Notice it says in the parable, I'm using three words they were beat, they were struck, and they were killed. Is that true? Did that happen to God's messengers? We've already pointed that out tonight. Look at Jeremiah. What happened to him? Jeremiah was thrown in prison, he was threatened and told if he didn't quit preaching the truth that he would be killed. He was thrown into a deep well that was dry and sank up to his waist in mire and mud. Many of the prophets were killed. Verse 5, it says, And so with many others. Um, let's see. I think Matthew twenty three thirty seven may have been what you were referring to, Glenn. You want, to, you want to check that out in your Bible, Matthew 23. Actually, you could read Matthew 23, 30 through 31, and then verse 37. I've got those written down. I'm not sure if that's a specific reference. Try 30 through 31, and then 37. Yeah, 30 and 31.
3: we would not have taken part with them in shedding of blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you, the descendants of those who murdered the prophets.
0: Who's he talking to, Glenn? Jews. The Jews. The
3: specifically.
0: Okay. And then read
3: verse 37. Okay. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets stone those who sent to you how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. Wow. (laughs)
0: Isn't that amazing that these, these things are said uh, about him himself. He, he was the, the beloved son that went and yet they killed him. They killed him. Uh, I've also found in Matthew 5 11, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So I mean clearly the prophets are the ones in the parable who who are beaten and, and killed. Notice in verse six in the parable, it mentions the phrase "beloved son," and then the men who are the, the wicked tenants say, "Come, let us kill him." Now, quick question: We're almost out of time. Why did the Jews hate Jesus so much? Why? It's the same reason that our country is beginning
1: to hate one another so much. Okay. Because of the influence of the Prophecy prophets. That's what I believe. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. You're the seeing Jews, some of the same
0: patterns in our the country. same patterns. It looks
1: like, as Glenn would always say, you've got to follow the money. And I think that the Jewish hierarchy had a lot to lose if the new Messiah had taken over and everybody was dispensed to become just servant, my services, servants. Okay. My brain isn't working like it used to. So uh,
0: I heard you had a pretty hard hit in the military.
1: Uh, Yeah, a lot. (laughs) Okay. It's it's 11 general orders. I looked it up on Google. 11, okay, 11 general orders.
0: All right, anybody else? Why was Jesus so hated back in his day? But in their minds, he committed blasphemy, right? But the only problem with that claim is that he produced evidences of miracles. He cast out demons. They were subject to his will. He told them things about the Father. He did things that no other man could do. So his claims were legitimate claims, but yet he was still hated. And he was so hated that they gave his credit for these miracles not to God, but to whom? The devil. You're a son of Beelzebub. You're doing it by his power. Wow.
3: Tom, one of the things, Solomon said it, and I think it still applies today. There's nothing new under the sun. Mm -hmm. It's just been repackaged. It's been re-narrated. And it's basically man shaking his fist at God and walking away. And it's going to happen till the Lord comes again. There's going to be people. uh, That's what's so sad about our nation. We're walking the wrong direction. Uh, I heard an author said slouching slouching off to Gomorrah. I think a book's written by uh, some author. I can't remember his name, but we are as a nation. We're just shrugging our shoulders, turning our back on God and walking towards Sodom and Gomorrah closer every day.
0: Amen. And you know, what's interesting is at the very end of that parable, Jesus talks about the stone that was rejected, right, has been put into a position of preeminence, that it's become the chief cornerstone. Everybody understand what that means architecturally, the chief cornerstone? It's a, it's a key place in a building that is load-bearing. The, the building will not stand unless it is firmly mounted on the chief cornerstone and it's given a position of honor architecturally by design. The architect puts it there. The, the stone that the religious leaders tripped over – and was a source of frustration to them, by the Father has been made the chief cornerstone. And he also said that if it falls on you, it will crush you. But if you fall on it, basically it will rebuild you. Yes, Dennis?
2: One thing about Jesus, he, he wasn't the fellow they were looking for. No. He wasn't the Messiah that they thought was coming. Amen. They wanted to be free from Roman bondage. Yeah.
0: Deliver us from Rome and oppression, and then we'll listen to what you have to say. very good yes hey, I just don't want to end on a negative note. Uh, Glenn was talking about you know um, Sodom and Gomorrah and our society seems to be heading toward that and
2: to me, the story is is more about being lot than about the Sodom and Gomorrah what he said was true, but Let's focus on being Lot. I don't know if there's anything we can do about Sodom and Gomorrah, but we can be Lot, and we can be saved, and we can be rescued
0: nonetheless. Amen. Amen. Yeah, we, we certainly want to be children of light, uh, people of hope. We want, to, we want to radiate a positive spirit and love in a, in a world that can sometimes be very dark. And, and I believe that the darker the world the brighter the candle becomes. Amen? Amen? And I want you collectively to be that bright candle who doesn't disrespect or beat the master's son, but welcomes him in and says, please come and, and let me serve you and honor you and bear fruit for your father. Man, that would be... And I want the son to go back and say to the father, let me tell you about this guy. Let me tell you about this guy who honored me and and respected me and, and it was bearing fruit. I mean, I want Jesus to give that kind of report, don't you, when he returns? Wow. Yeah. That's actually going to happen, y'all, on that great day. Jesus will be giving reports. How are you doing? That sounds like an invitation, doesn't it? All right. Thanks for the discussion tonight and your comments, and hope you enjoyed that parable. If you enjoyed it, it came from God. Good stuff. All right. I want to tell a quick uh, story about book fair. How many of y'all been to a book fair in elementary school? the teachers have. Miss Meg volunteered today. She, she had two stories she shared with me. One was a, a young man. He was a Hispanic student. Uh, I think he was in second or third grade. But she was volunteering and going around, doing her little book fair, you know, thing. And, and he kept, she kept pointing him toward a book, and he'd say, no, no, that's too much. I can't, I can't spend that much. And then she'd point to another book. No, no, that's too much. He kept wanting to go down in the price, which is unusual for a student at book fair. Usually they want to spend lots of money, right? No, 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 I, I, can't, I can't spend that much money. Little money, little money. Well, he ended up settling on a, I think it was a Hispanic Bible storybook. Meg goes, good, good. Yeah, it was in his budget. Well, she learned later he didn't want to spend money because he had a friend with him who didn't have money. And he took the change and gave it to his friend. I'm like, that's sweet. That's what God wants us to be like, to have the heart and mind of a little child. Another story, book club story, got two for you. Another young man, was, Meg was helping him today. He probably came from one of the more affluent families because normally you don't send your child to, to book fair with $60 to spend. She's like, whoa. And so he started kind of picking out different books he wanted, and Meg noticed a section over there that was religious section. She said, you know, there's, there's a section over here if, if you want to read about God or Jesus. And he turned around and immediately said to her, who is that? I don't know who that is. I thought, wow. So in our school systems, we have demonstrations of young people who are being godly, like our little Hispanic friend. And we have affluent people who are coming up in our school system who don't know God. Do we have our work cut out for us, church? Yes, we do. And let us remember that it is our responsibility every day to tell somebody about Jesus. Because we got young people in Tennessee who don't know who God and Jesus are. Let that sink in. The invitation is yours tonight. If you're struggling, if you need encouragement or prayer, we want to invite you. I think Roy's going to lead us in our song, 546. Do we have somebody to pray? I'll do it. You'll do it? Okay. All right. Let's stand and sing together, 546.
4: Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedom we all hold dear, now is at stake. Humble your heart to God, safe from the chasing rod. Seeking way pilgrims trot, Christians away. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will meet their doom. Trumpets will surely sound. All of the dead shall rise, raised to end in the skies, going where no. Will soon be your happy forevermore, living on that shore free from all care rising up in the sky, telling this world goodbye onward we then. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will meet their doom, trumpets will surely sound. All of the dead shall rise, righteous meet in the skies. Going where no one dies, where heaven were.
0: just a moment, we'll ask Roy to come back and lead us in our closing prayer, but we will ask if you have any um, updates on the sick or, or anybody. Uh, Glenn, do you remember who was asking for prayer? She said her sister had a stroke. This was his... is, uh, carol McCraw. Carol McCraw. Yeah. Yeah, we had such a good visit today. I wanted to thank Glenn and Jim for an invitation to go to Assisted Living over on the bypass and uh Fieldstone. They start, they kind of feel like Stroudsville's family. Uh, we're going over there a lot. They're meeting different people and they keep wanting us to come back and just are really enjoying uh, the love and uh, affection that we're showering on them. So we had two special different prayer requests that came uh Dottie wanted us to pray for her two sis her children, her two daughters and we we Dottie is um kind of the mover shaker and she knows everything that's going on over there so she loves us and she appreciates us coming so all right any any specific request yes Shirley Burge, okay, scope two hour procedure, all right? All right. Yes. Okay, Robert Head in the hospital, UTI. Glenn? I'd ask that we just pray for all the residents that are in assisted living and nursing homes. Feelstone comes to mind because we've been with those good folks today. Yeah. Right. Uh, we, some folks that we don't know if they hurt us or not, but we prayed with them all, and that's all you can.: do sometimes. Yeah, I was going to mention, too, Bill Young is making progress in his therapy and rehab. He's starting to bear weight on that left leg. Uh, I wouldn't call it walking, but it's a good start. And uh, BJ's done a good job at giving us Facebook updates each each week. He's getting good rehab and has such a wonderful spirit. When I talk to Bill, I hang up encouraged. I'm like, wow! I wish I could have that attitude, that you know, just that resolve and and love of God. So Bill's a great guy. Uh, Just keep Mm walking. Yeah, Bill Bill loves visits and he loves to talk. His mind is great. So, uh, yeah. He's at uh, Signature Healthcare. It's on Farmers Road. You know where FM Bank is on 41A? That's that, that road that cuts between that and the bypass. So. Yeah, bo- uh, Bobby? Oh, John Heron, bronchial pneumonia. Yeah, John is currently a caregiver for Patsy. She's recovering from her heart surgery. So, keep john in mind y'all may want to check on him see how he's doing all right and um we want to remember the shelby knox family um the children buried her monday and uh, also the king family wayne king anyone else okay if there's yes Okay, all right. Say the name again. Vicki. Did you get that? Crack? Okay. Kratzer. You know, God knows who it is, right? We'll just say, Lord Vicky," you know who it is. Okay, we'll, we'll lift up those requests in prayer. Appreciate everyone being here. What's our count tonight? 95, all right, good, good. Well, we're blessed by you being here. Hope you've been blessed coming and uh, you were fed and and, uh, encouraged. So we're going to ask Roy to come and dismiss us. It's about that time. So, Roy, come pray, please.
1: Let's pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Dear Father, we bring special petitions for you tonight to look after special souls and members. We want to thank you for the progress that is being made in Bill Young. You have put your hand upon him as you have Gentry and other folks in the congregation and brought him back to health. We ask, dear Lord, that it be your will. And your miracle that you bring him forth into us, and his his motivation and his life would be useful and a good a good example for those that we have within our congregation. We would ask that you be with Carol McCraw, who's having a, who had a stroke. As you did with Bill, we ask that if it be your will, that you will bring her along also and bring her back and let her come back into her family and your family of Jesus Christ. We ask that you pay for Dottie's two daughters. We ask that you be with Shirley Birch as she prepares to go in for the scope this week. We ask that you be with Robert Head and help him to cure up the UTI that he has, the vexin. We ask that you be with John Heron with bronchial pneumonia. Thank you for bringing him into our lives, and we ask that you allow him to stay with his influence as one of our brothers. We ask that you be with Patsy as she goes through with her rehab while she's working closely with uh, John. We ask that you be with the Shelby Knox family, and also the Beverly, um, Beverly's family. We ask that you be with Vicki. Crafter, yeah. We ask that you be with her as she is trying to heal from her. And, dear Lord, be with each and every one of us. We ask that you touch our lips and allow us to speak your word to our fellow mankind. Fellow man, we ask that as we look unto these that are homeless and these that are that don't even know you, as Tom said about the two children he talked about today. We ask that you you allow us to enter into their hearts, bring them our ways, and let us to, to give them. The story of Jesus, the story that's helped us to get to where we're at today, the story that allowed our families to pull and stay together. We ask that you be with each and every one of us in that aspect. We ask that you be with those that couldn't be with us tonight. We ask that you touch their hearts and heal their ailments so they can come back and this congregation can be strong again. We also ask, dear Lord, that you allow the influences of the world to allow us to project your light and to see your way and walk in your way in the narrow way. Dear Lord, we ask that you be with us as we guide our children and we forever bring into their hearts your love, your work, and We also asked, as a final request, that you be with Tom and the elders and the deacons of this congregation, so that they may that they may provide good shepherd, good as a good shepherd, and that they may keep us on the straight and narrow, be observant of all that goes around for all the men that were here that we can drive out the wolves as they come in to slaughter our, slaughter your word and to distort the truth so that we fall down the wrong path. This we ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen.